This is Exponent Philanthropy's catalytic podcast, Conversations with Leaders at Small Foundations. Meet some of the most creative, resourceful, and risk-taking foundation people in the country. Foundations have an opportunity to not only fund direct services and help organizations solve problems, they also can build the capacity of community residents to advocate for change. Foundations can help empower residents to hold organizations and leaders, including elected officials, accountable to the community itself. Jenny Riley executive director of the Rx Foundation in Massachusetts, is an example of a foundation with just one staff member that decided to shift its healthcare-related work to building community capacity and power. A motivation for the board and staff was a desire to help create long-lasting, durable, systemic change. In this two-part podcast, Jenny chronicles why the foundation made this shift, how it went about it, and how it leverages its resources beyond grants, such as convening, connecting organizations to coaching services, and the ability to build networks. She offers examples of organizations the foundation supports to build community members' capacity to demand policies that benefit all residents. Through the work of these organizations, residents advocate for policies in many areas that affect long-term health and wellness, encompassing clean water and air, nutritious food, affordable housing, racial and gender equity, and access to health care. We hope you will be inspired like we are by how small-staffed foundations can creatively use their position and resources beyond grants to build civic engagement and community power. In its early history, the RX Foundation was always willing to be um, what we often thought of as opportunistic. So rather than only operating through some sort of RFP process or or application process, the foundation was always actively looking for seeds of an idea or Mm -hmm. opportunities that deserved to be invested in. Mm -hmm. And so, and all of that existed before I came in and joined the RX Foundation in early 2014. And so I do think that, that when there was a moment that the board of the foundation was ready to do something very different, right? In, in late 2016, early 2017, it felt like we were in a moment where the strategies that we had been using in philanthropy had, had done a lot of good, but it felt like it didn't go far enough to the kind of sustained 
long-term durable change that we were really looking for. Mm. And so we, we really started with this question my board put to me. They said, Jenny, what can we do about advocacy? And I said, honestly, I, I don't know, but I'll find out. And, and when on this real journey of, of listening to um, people in the field doing the work of, of legislative advocacy, community organizing, civic engagement, and also talking to a lot of other funders who had thought about this and, and, and in many cases were doing something about this already. And so that allowed us to, to then think about um, developing an RFP for the first time in our history. Um, and, and, and running an, a national RFP as a staff of one person was sort of an audacious thing to do, um, but, but somehow we did it. Mm. And that really set us on a, on a, a path of, I think, it, it opened up this whole landscape in which we could think about doing things differently, right? We could think about not only using the tools of that transactional philanthropy, but building out the tool, not just not just what we were funding was changing, but how we were funding it was changing, and how we were showing up as a funder beyond the grants themselves has been changing as well. And I think that's where our you know we're on this path from transactional to transformational as a foundation. So in 2019, we launched a national call for letters of, of interest in what we were calling our Building Capacity for Health Advocacy program. So this was a new grant-making mechanism where instead of inviting specific applicants, which is how we had always operated in the past, um, we, we sent out this national call for, for letters of interest. And, um, and we were very intentional that we weren't going to set a policy agenda Right. We weren't going to say, OK, we want to hear from everybody who's working on Medicaid expansion, for example. We intentionally set ourselves up to focus on how do we build capacity? Right. How do we build infrastructure? How do we build the connective tissue in the local or national ecosystem for change in a way that will allow folks in, in many different states, in many different political contexts, social contexts, to not just play defense, but also play offense, really, to, to, to push for proactive, sustained change. Mm -hmm. Things like Medicaid expansion. But in the time that we've been working with um, organizations around the country, it's also meant responding to um, attempts to dismantle the ACA. You know, in the current landscape, it's responding to um, laws that are outlining uh, outlawing certain kinds of medical care or even criminalizing certain kinds of medical care, right? There's a, there's a need for folks doing this kind of advocacy, organizing, and social change work to be really nimble and responsive. And, and that takes resources to have a sort of standing level of capacity to do that work. Mm -hmm. And so that's the yeah. direction we, we set off in without necessarily having the whole map, right, of how it was going to go. Um, and it's been a tremendously transformational experience for me personally and for the foundation as a whole. Um, and being willing to be a learner, right? So to really learn alongside from and with our grant partners um, has allowed us to, to just continue to build out this work in really exciting ways. 
So I would describe the, the pivot of the RX Foundation as one from a focus on funding, seeding, supporting innovation within the healthcare delivery system, right? Within the quality of care and access to care. The pivot was really from that focus to a focus on what I often think of as like the demand side of change, right? A, a focus on how do we support the, the outside game of organizations, leaders, networks that are doing the, the advocacy work, the community organizing work, uh, the, the very necessary work around civic engagement, such that we have an empowered population that is asking for, that is demanding change, mm -hmm. um, that is holding our elected leaders accountable. Throughout the whole arc of that pivot, we always understood that there was a need in the realm of health justice to be able to nimbly play both offense and defense, that it was never going to be just one. And that in fact, it was really harmful in some cases for philanthropy to drop in and drop out of these uh, struggles for change only based on philanthropy's own agenda, right? Whether it's proactively for Medicaid expansion or it's reactively for um, responding to uh, threats to the ACA or, or threats to access to reproductive health care, that, that we needed to create um, a mechanism and a vision that really held both of those things equally because for folks doing the work on the ground, they are always aware of both of those things. I think one really terrific example of our um, first round of, of building capacity for health advocacy grants is that we connected with the Missouri Organizing and Voter Engagement Collaborative, uh, known as MOVE for short. And they have both a 501c3 and a 501c4 arm of their organization. And, and we as a private foundation funded the 501c3 side. And MOVE is a backbone organization in Missouri that is supporting uh, a whole roster of nonprofit organizations across uh, uh, quite a number of topics and, and sectors in developing their integrated voter engagement strategies. And, and so integrated voter engagement is a, is a civic engagement strategy that really emphasizes community organizing and connecting with with voters, not just around elections, but really across, you know, every year in a really sustained way um, with the goal of, of building a really strong and empowered population that does show up in election years, that does hold their elected officials accountable, that is really clear about their priorities and needs. And we connected with MOVE at a time when Medicaid expansion was on the ballot in Missouri. And RX funding really helped move and their partners represent the grassroots voice in the push for Medicaid expansion in a 501c3 compliant way. And, and they've continued to do this really incredible work with nonprofits across the state of Missouri to, to really build this kind of sustained capacity um, that allows them to show up really powerfully around everything from minimum wage issues, earned you know, sick leave issues, to um, 
you know, issues up, coming up now around um, access to reproductive health care. And, and it's a great example of an organization that the Rx Foundation wouldn't have ever connected with in our previous orientation where it was really around healthcare delivery, right? By expanding our vision of, of what is health and wellness and well-being, um, we've been able to, to create partnerships much more expansively. And I think MOVE is a great example of that. I think to really show up in a robust way for health justice, we have to acknowledge that health and well-being are so much more than what we can achieve in the context of the healthcare delivery system itself. And so we care deeply about issues like access to healthcare, insurance coverage, um, achieving Medicaid expansion across the country. And at the same time, that isn't that's where health justice begins. It's not where it ends, right? That that health justice means that we pay attention to racial equity, to economic justice, to access to clean water and clean air, to housing and food, you know, to, to all of these things that we often think of as upstream of healthcare delivery, but which absolutely determine the conditions for health in our communities. So the second example I'd like to offer is actually a grant that we made through a different funding mechanism, what we, we think of as our opportunity grants. The opportunity fund grants are a, a grant making mechanism that allow RX Foundation trustees to identify places, people, organizations, where we really see an opportunity to help in a catalytic way with a one-year grant. And in this case, it was a $50,000 grant to Sea Change RCO in New Jersey. Now, an RCO is a recovery community organization, and we have these in many states. These are uh, organizations that are committed to supporting people and their families who are affected by substance use disorder. And they often prioritize a harm reduction framework. Now, Sea Change RCO and, and their leadership really had this vision at the intersection of what a traditional RCO does in terms of services and support for the community of folks affected by substance use disorder and community organizing and advocacy for the kinds of policy and practice changes that are needed to positively impact their lives. And so we made this opportunity fund grant to see change RCO really to help them develop that vision, to develop their leadership and, and, in addition to the grant, we complemented that with coaching support from our targeted coaching program. And what that positioned them to do over the last year is actually launch a national sea change coalition of RCOs working at this intersection of people with lived experience of substance use disorder and the organizing and advocacy people power that is needed to, to really transform the policies and practices that affect their lives. In the first year of the Building Capacity for Health Advocacy Program, I realized that, that there really was this opportunity to support our partners beyond the grants. We were already convening them in a learning network. And so I was hearing more and more about the nuances of their challenges and their opportunities. And I realized that they weren't always able to connect with capacity building support because it's hard to prioritize that within your budget when you're a nonprofit and you're really prioritizing the things that are right in front of you. And so I took some time to develop a roster of coaches 
of, of people with a, a variety of areas of expertise, um, different abilities to, to give technical assistance, who I sort of convinced to just come together around this idea of a targeted coaching program. And I launched that initially with our building capacity for health advocacy cohort. And I said, okay, all of my advocacy and organizing partners, I'd like you to meet all of these potential coaching partners. Now you decide if you would like to work with somebody and what you would like to work with. I'm not going to prescribe what I think you need, but I will, but the RX foundation will fund this. And what that did was it allowed, um, not everybody in the cohort took advantage of this, but it, quite a few of organizations that we partner with have connected with coaches or other kinds of technical assistance resources through this mechanism. And in many cases, um, it has really helped to advance their work, their visions, their goals um, that they articulated in the grant proposal, but in a way that they might not have been able to do without those additional resources. So every year I try to reintroduce everybody. And if I'm having a conversation with one partner and what I hear is, oh, you know, we could really use support in building out our skills around power analysis. I can say, oh, well, I'd like to introduce you to our colleagues at Scope in Los Angeles who are absolute leaders in power analysis and, and they could really work with you on this in a meaningful way. So I can facilitate introductions and connections based on what I'm hearing from folks in the network. You know, I choose to use the word coach because I think technical assistance uh, often feels very transactional or top-down, like one person in this relationship is the expert and the other person is the student and there's this transfer of knowledge in one direction. And I think in most of these relationships, there really is a relationship. There's a bi-directional communication and transfer of information. And so um, I think coaching just feels like a richer way of describing this work that people choose to do together that is often around specific challenges or specific content expertise, but it's all happening in a much more transformational way. Thank you for joining us. Jenny Riley's podcast continues in part two. Look for new catalytic podcasts each month. Meet more creative funders. Benji Roo does the audio engineering and mixing. Our website is by Kwok Lee. Our music is by O Future. The Catalytic Podcast is made possible by grants from two Exponent members, the 1772 Foundation and the Blackstone Ranch Institute. I'm your producer and host, Andy Carroll. Thanks for listening. Join us next time.